This is VLX number 48, Homeless Disciples, Matthew chapter 8, verses 21 to 22. God give you his peace, and omni patri sefiri, et spiritu santi. Amen. God, our Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. In omni patri sefiri, et spiritu santi. Amen. Another of the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Today I'm going to admittedly look at more than just the two sentences I just read you at the beginning, because we're going to look at all of Matthew chapter 8. But you're going to like how it all comes together in the end. So let me put a few things on the back burner for you, and then your final recipe of meditation or study should come together pretty nicely. First of all, notice that the trajectory of most scripture scholarship out there in places like Franciscan University of Steubenville has come to say that pretty much every word of the New Testament is just as applicable to the layperson as, say, the religious priest or nun. Now, I'm mostly in favor of that, especially as far as the commandments, but we're going to see that certain precepts to things like poverty don't reach that far. And I think probably all scripture scholars at places like Christendom College and Franciscan University of Steubenville would agree with me on that since they would admit people need decent incomes if they're going to have families. And so don't worry, we're not going to disagree on that. Uh, on the other hand, there's another group of Catholics, usually Latin mass folk, who sometimes are tempted to believe that holiness is only for celibates. Now, thankfully, I notice this tendency, or at least that stereotype, is going away as traditionalists are now taking holiness much more seriously in their Latin Mass communities. But today's gospel is interesting because in it we see that whereas you need money to raise a family, all the apostles, at least in one point, were invited to live homeless with Jesus. Literally homeless. And that's why today's gospel does not apply as intensely to married people as it does to celibates, normally because poverty and celibacy are a package deal. It makes sense, right? You're celibate so you can be poor and free. You're poor and free preventing you from having a family because kids need to be fed. Okay, now think how many religious orders started not figuratively homeless, but literally homeless. St. Francis of Assisi with the Franciscans. St. Ignatius of Loyola leaving Paris for Rome with the early Jesuits. Even Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity started quite nearly homeless on the streets of Calcutta as she left the Sisters of Loretto. But hopefully lay and religious alike will get something out of this meditation. So let's very, very briefly recap all of Matthew chapter 8. If you remember two VLXs ago, Jesus not only healed St. Peter's mother-in-law, but he also healed many possessed people of their demons, and healed many people who were sick with physical ailments. Then after that, we had a scribe seeing the fame of the miracles. And St. Matthew writes, When Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, a scribe, remember, was a relatively important person in the Jewish religion. And it seems to us today, maybe at first glance, that Jesus changes the topic when he says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, 
but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. But now let's see why Jesus gives a mildly harsh answer to the scribe who wants to follow him. And please go listen to VLX 47 on the Son of Man if you want to know how the saints explain that term that Christ seemed to love most for himself, Son of Man. Okay, but let's get back to that scribe. He seems to want some fame and money along with the miracles. Father Lapide writes, quote, This scribe, seeing Jesus preparing to depart and cross over the lake and being moved by his preaching and miracles, and the concourse of applauding people desired to be associated with him, end quote. Uh, so in other words, that minor religious celebrity in the scribe wanted to follow that major religious celebrity of Jesus working miracles. But Jesus is basically telling him it's not all it's going to be cracked up to be, or rather it's going to be awesome for the soul, but hard on the body. Now, our Lord is not super harsh with him, but he gently shows him he hasn't considered the cost of discipleship for this radical message, namely, that those who follow Christ will be literally homeless because of how unpopular his message will be. Never popular, always attractive. That's how you can also tell those teaching the true Catholic faith. They're never popular, but always attractive, at least the truth that they teach is. In any case, Christ is basically saying to this scribe, hey, following me is not all miracles and fame. He says almost, I don't live in a sweet home like the Pharisees, so you kind of have to pick between nice miracles or nice digs, not both. Pick between sweet miracles or a sweet home, you don't get both. Now, even though Lapide pointed out earlier that Jesus seems to have a very small home himself, not far from there in Capernaum, Christ often goes homeless, as do his disciples. Hence the line our Lord says today, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Father Lapide translates this almost speaking first person as Jesus might in saying, quote, Common, worthless, and even noxious animals such as foxes and birds of prey have dwellings, but the Son of Man, I who was born of the Virgin and made man, have nothing of my own not a cushion or a bed, end quote. That was Father Lapide's words as if he were translating our Lord. So it's basically like Christ is saying, are you ready for homeless men working miracles? Are you ready to be one of the homeless men working miracles if you want to go from scribe to following me? I mean, imagine today if that was the requirement to enter seminary. You got to go live homeless for a year before you enter seminary. Globally, we'd probably produce like 12 priests a year. 12 priests a year, who would probably change the whole world like the 12 apostles. Okay, let's see what Father Lapide continues on a little bit more of how the church fathers saw this interaction between the scribe and Christ. It's almost as if our Lord says, if you think that I live comfortably and magnificently, you are wrong. Thou desirest to follow me because thou seest me pleasing the people because of the healing and benefits which I bestow upon them. Hence thou hopest in following me to increase thy possessions and pick up many gifts as though I made me and mine rich by the gospel. But thou art mistaken, for I, as the master of perfection, am poor and a lover of poverty myself. I could almost imagine Father Lapide thinking of his founder of his order, the Jesuit St. Ignatius of Loyola, who led a life of uh, fame, money, and military prowess before becoming literally a homeless follower of our Lord. Father Lapide the Jesuit continues, When the scribe heard this, he was silent, and being disappointed of his hope, withdrew himself from the eyes of Christ, as Matthew tacitly intimates. Now, I didn't know that. I thought maybe there was a chance he followed him, but 
Father Lapidus says the scribe did not follow him. And listen to these striking words of St. Jerome. Do you wish to follow me for the sake of riches and worldly gain when I have not even one little guest room? Not even one little guest room to give those people who might follow him. Father Lapide then quotes from the Annals or Constitutions of St. Francis of Assisi's Franciscans. St. Francis added that those asking for a donation offer more to those who give to them than they receive from them. Quote, because you offer them the love of God, saying, For the love of God, may you give us an alms. Heaven and earth are nothing in comparison with that. End quote. So that's St. Francis of Assisi. That's St. Francis of Assisi saying, that the person who donates to the Franciscan gets more than the Franciscan. Therefore, to the extent that the friars turn away from poverty, the world will turn away from them, and they shall seek but not find. For they themselves owe the world good example, and the world owes the Franciscans the provision of their needs. But if they withdraw their good example in bad faith, the world will withdraw its helping hand as a just rebuke, end quote. Thus the annals of the Franciscans. Okay, let's go back to Matthew chapter 8. What happens next? You know, I tend to believe that Jesus would probably be fired from being the vocations director in any diocese in the nation today because today in Matthew 8, he's turning away all these would-be followers with what seminary formators nowadays call rigorism. But you know who he probably would make a bunch of recruits for is the Navy SEALs or the Army Rangers or Delta or GRS because they often had to prove themselves homeless in the training for those things. Real men flock to the high bar. And this isn't just me being macho, uh, because Jesus was being merciful in not calling wimps to the priesthood. Listen to what St. John Chrysostom once wrote, quote, I do not think that many priests are saved, but that those who perish are far more numerous. The reason is that the office requires a great soul, end quote. That's St. John Chrysostom's third homily on the Acts of the Apostles. And by the word perish, he meant go to hell. Now, Everyone always quotes that line from St. John Chrysostom about bishop's skulls being in hell, and that's fine, but I'm surprised how few people know that quote from that doctor of the church, St. John Chrysostom, on priests again. I do not think that many priests are saved, but that those who perish are far more numerous. The reason is that the office requires a great soul. In other words, a priest will go to hell not just for scandals, but for laziness. Here in Matthew chapter 8, the next would-be disciple doesn't appear to be lazy, but he is attached to his family. He says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus says to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now you might be saying at that, but hey, isn't burying the dead one of the corporal works of mercy of the Catholic Church? Yes, you're exactly right. Why is our Lord digging on that? I'm sorry, that's about the only pun you're going to hear from me. But let's review the seven corporal works of mercy. To feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless, to visit the sick, to ransom the captive, somehow taken off of modern lists, but to ransom the captive is one. And finally, to bury the dead. Those are the seven corporal works of mercy. And notice, if you read Matthew 25 closely, your salvation depends on executing those corporal works of mercy. But today our Lord puts one list above the corporal works of mercy, and that's the spiritual works of mercy. Father Lapide again quotes St. John Chrysostom, It is far better to preach the kingdom of God and rescue others from death than to bury one who is dead and can be of no use, especially when there are other persons to discharge the office. End quote. That was St. John Chrysostom again. And then Pope St. Gregory the Great says, Sometimes in our actions, lesser good deeds are to be set aside 
talking about burying the dead, in favor of other things of greater usefulness. For who is unaware that burying the dead is indeed a good work? Nevertheless, someone who asked to be excused so as to bury his father heard the reply, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. St. Gregory the Great continues, Pope St. Gregory the Great, compliance with this duty was to be considered of less importance, that is, burying the dead, than the ministry of preaching, because by the former one would bury the bodies of the dead in the earth, while by the latter one would bring the souls of the dead back to life. End quote. What an amazing quote. So again, he's saying uh, bringing those back to life from the death of mortal sin or from original sin is more important than the corporal works of mercy. So they're both very, very important. You'll see that all the saints did almost all of the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, but the spiritual works of mercy are higher than the corporal works of mercy. Okay, how about those who do the imaginative way of prayer? In just a minute, I'll quote directly from St. Ignatius of Loyola without using my own words. We did the three classes of men in a VLX a few months ago, but with my words interspersed in there. This time today, we're going to do that again, St. Ignatius' three classes of men, but with his words exclusively. And since many of you have gotten better, I'm sure, at the Ignatian way of prayer, I'll just read you again directly from St. Ignatius of Loyola's Spiritual Exercises. You may want to pause the video here and grab a pen before starting since he employs some very terse and sober writing without adjectives, just as the medieval Spanish wrote. You'll miss the depth of his words if you even blink. And here you can just think of a ducat, D-U-C-A-T, as a dollar, a ducat. The three classes of men, first prelude, this is the history of the three classes of men. Each of them has acquired 10,000 ducats, but not entirely as they should have as for the love of God. They all wish to save their souls and find peace in God our Lord by ridding themselves of the burden arising from the attachment to the sum acquired, which impedes the attainment of this end. Second prelude. This is a mental representation of the place. Here it will be to behold myself standing in the presence of God our Lord and all his saints, that I may know and desire what is more pleasing to his divine goodness. Third prelude. This is to ask for what I desire. Here it will be to beg for the grace to choose what is more for the glory of his divine majesty and the salvation of my soul. The first class of men, they would like to rid themselves of the attachment they have to the sum acquired in order to find peace in God our Lord and assure their salvation. But the hour of death comes and they have not made use of any means. The second class of men, they wish to rid themselves of the attachment, but they wish to do so in such a way that they retain what they have acquired so that God is to come to what they desire and they do not decide to give up the sum of money in order to go to God, though this would be the better way for them. The third class of men, these want to rid themselves of the attachment, but they wish to do so in such a way that they desire neither to retain nor to relinquish the sum acquired, they seek only to will and not will as God our Lord inspires them, and as seems better for the service and praise of the divine majesty. Meanwhile, they will strive to conduct themselves as if every attachment to it had been broken. They will make efforts neither to want that nor anything else, unless the service of God our Lord alone move them to do so. As a result, 
the desire to be better able to serve God our Lord will be the cause of their accepting anything or relinquishing it. Colloquy. A colloquy should be addressed to Our Lady, asking her to obtain for me from her Son and Lord the grace to be received under his standard, first in the highest spiritual poverty, and should the Divine Majesty be pleased thereby and deign to choose and accept me even in actual poverty, secondly in bearing insults and wrongs, thereby to imitate him better, provided only I can suffer these without sin on the part of another and without offense to the Divine Majesty. Please say an Our Father for me, et benedictio Dei omnipotentis, Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, descendit super vos et maniat semper. Amen.